0: Galatians is an amazing book. The Apostle Paul pulls no punches when it comes to the gospel, as we'll see today, here on Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. The gospel has been abused, misused, and misrepresented for centuries. It is constantly under siege. Satan will see to it for that. So what are the origins of our gospel? Why is it so important to know so? Well, these are questions we're answering here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're continuing our series called The Gospel Brings Freedom. We find ourselves in Galatians 1 verses 11 through 24 today with a message called The Origin of Our Gospel. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today 's broadcast.
1: We want to look at something that uh, I must give you the context and the flow We're in the book of Galatians, in this book, Paul is doing something that you take for granted. He is sharing the gospel you believe, but he uh, he seemed to be out of place because a movement rose up early in the church that said the church must be Jewish. And Gentiles must be circumcised to be saved. Not circumcision for medical reasons, but circumcision for righteousness, for being, having a right status with God. So that's totally different. And uh, Paul is going to spend, in the first two chapters of this book, it's very biographical. He's trying to show you, since I am a, an apostle to the Gentiles... I want to give you my credentials about who I am and about the message I receive that I'm no Twinkie, I'm no junior apostle, I'm authentically God's messenger, and I have an authentic gospel. And so he's going to take time and give us two chapters here, and we'll pick up verse 11 today, and tell us the origin of his gospel. Where did he get it? How does he know it? And uh, I think uh, before we even look at the text, there's something that uh, if you're in touch culturally with what's going on, we are in a uh, critical, critical place in history, in the realm of knowledge. If I ask you, uh, what are the factors that make you come to believe anything's true? What criteria does something have to go through for it to be true to you? What makes it true? If you, if you just looked up the word epistemology, the nature of knowledge, or what determines what you will believe, what, what, what does it take? What influences, what route do you take to coming to say, this is true? I know this is true. Um, and what has moved in our day... We've moved, and youth culture especially, uh, and it's throughout culture, we've moved from this. This right here, objective propositions, uh, maybe what you just call just propositional truth, uh, just facts, that's not necessarily true. That's history maybe, Uh, that's what they say to happen, but I'm not... I don't get truth that way. You see, I'm in touch with me, my feelings, my senses. I want to experience it. Uh, I want to feel it. Uh, I'm tired of dead truth, as it were. Truth is never dead, just the people who hold it are sometimes. But truth itself is alive. But they say, I don't want to just be cold, cerebral. Uh, uh, just people who always win arguments but still have a fouled up life. There's Christians that way. They win every argument, but nobody even knows they love God. They like to argue. They're just good at arguing. And then so you, we got a, a whole culture that says, uh, how did you get to believe what you believe? You say, well, you see, I, I feel, I touched, uh, I experienced, I, uh, oh, great. But hey, you came to an opposite conclusion than me. Oh, that's all right. You've got truth your way. And you've got your truth. And I've got my truth. Even though we're 180 degrees out, we both got truth. Because we both feel it. We both feel our spirituality. What this is, is truth has become totally subjective. I've got to experience it, feel it taste it, see it, some way I got to feel kind of looey about it, something, it just feels right, have you ever heard that, it just feels right, is that right, and you just said nine times nine equals 80, it just feels right, <laughs> it, it just, it feels, you're one point off, no but it feels good at 80, oh, oh let me just keep it there, oh go ahead honey, if we built buildings based upon this way of learning things, everything would be a leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> but this is where we are. The issue is how can you know anything is truth? Now, now, you folks that are over 50, you say, don't bore me with this. I know what's true. What's you doing? Try to be intellectual? No, because you don't know what's going on in the culture. They call the postmodern era. We've gone from facts. feeling. Now that's part of my own pilgrimage as a Christian because I started out in a very highly feeling group that we felt things before we knew a lot of things. And so ignorance abounded but boy emotions were high. We could feel it all day. Now Paul is going to tell you how he came to know. He didn't get it just by sensory perception. He didn't just get it by education. He didn't get it just by falling off a log. He didn't get it because he was Jewish. He's going to get it, and he's going to tell you how he did. Notice verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather... I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is an astounding thing. This is what Joseph Smith said. He got Mormonism by revelation. But he didn't. He was mistaken. Moroni showed him the tablets. And he's built a whole movement on it. Paul is saying something that is radical in his day. Only prophets got things by revelation. And only apostles of Jesus Christ really got anything. And what is this by revelation? God revealed to me a truth that I could not know otherwise. And how did he do that? He says, first of all, I want you to know three ways I didn't get it. First of all, I didn't get it from men. I did not, human sources are not the source of my message. I didn't get it at the philosophy department of Berkeley or Jerusalem. No man did I, this, the gospel does not have a human origin. Two, I did not receive it from any man. And that little word receive is a, de- bird, a debated word. They think it, it is a uh, pedagogy style. I was not taught it by rote. I didn't memorize things. I didn't get it like a uh, catechism class or memorize. I didn't get it that way. Then he says, all conclusive, neither was I taught it. Now, most of us all got saved because somebody taught us the revelation. But he said, I wasn't taught the revelation. I didn't have it. I didn't have anybody in my life giving it to me. He said, human beings had nothing to do it. But I was on my way to Damascus to kill Christians. And Jesus Christ, shone brighter than the noonday sun revealed himself to me. I became his, and I got it directly from Christ. He gave me this gospel. Now, what he's going to do, he's going to give you a survey of his life. He's going to tell you what he was before the gospel was revealed to him. Two, he's going to tell you what happened to him when he realized the gospel was true. And then thoroughly, he's going to tell you how he responded to the gospel. That's the way to give your testimony. Tell us what you were before, what did you believe, and what difference has it made. And that's exactly what he's going to do. Watch what he says. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intentionally I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Here's a powerful thing. You know that before this gospel was revealed, I persecuted everybody who believed it. This word persecute means to hunt down. Uh, He says, I persecuted them. I tried to destroy it. It was actually a word used of an army besieging a city. I went out to destroy Christianity. I was not just passively irritated, but before the thing that I preach now and that I believe now, before that, I was so opposed, I devoted all my energy and all my time to go after Christians, drag them into court, see that they got sentenced. And if you'll read the narrative of Paul's testimony in Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26, Acts 8, 1, they laid the garments of Stephen at the feet of Paul who consented to his death. Stoning you know, it's one thing to be a, a rebel rouser and to hang out in wrong places. But it's another thing to track down Christians and want to see them killed. This is no mere, mere passive attitude. He said, I hated the gospel and the Christ that I now preach. I persecuted. Can you imagine that you had a part in killing Stephen That you stood there and a member of the Sanhedrin with some influence. You could have said, stop, this is unlawful. This is against even a fair trial according to Moses. But no, instead, I gave all of my political and religious influence to killing the first martyr of the church. Matter of fact, I was so pleased, I took orders to go kill some more in Damascus. He was opposed to the gospel that he's going to present in this book. Great animosity. And he said in 1 Timothy, he said, Timothy, I cannot believe that God would take a man who was a blasphemer, a man who hated Christ, and a man who worked against Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? How am I persecuting you? When you touch my people, you touch me. That's a great thing to remember. I don't know what you think of Christians, but whatever you think of them will reflect whether you know God or not. You must know that anything you do towards a believer of Jesus Christ... It touches Christ. Whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to me. Whoever in the body you touch and however you touch, if you slander them, if you accuse them, if you want to hurt them, if you want to bless them, if you want to do good, remember Christ is tied to his people. And he told him, you're persecuting me. He goes on to say, I not only was a persecutor of the church... But I was a great, great practitioner of Judaism. The, the uh, Judaizers said Paul didn't know his stuff. He was really, truly Jewish. He couldn't be preaching this stuff. He's kind of a, you know, a liberal Jew. You know, just because you meet a Jew... By the way, I don't want to be anti-Semitic. I don't want to sound that way. But I'm just telling you the history of what was going on here. When you meet a Jew, I used to always think they all knew the Torah. They knew the law. That's not true. They're into as many other religions as you can imagine. But Paul says, I was not dabbling in the other religions of the uh, Grecian world. I was not so metropolitan that I did a little bit of New Age. No, I was a devout devout Jew Philippians 3 I was a Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin circumcised on the eighth day I excelled above many in my religious fervor we'd call him a religious fanatic when you believe your view is right strong enough that you'll pursue someone of an opposite view even to death you're a fanatic that's what's going on in the Middle East We've got a religious war going and those are the most lethal and the most deadly and here he is he said hey i i'm no twinkie i know the law i was trained by gamaliel i know the torah don't 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 mess with me i know these 39 books when i had my bar mitzvah i could quote you the first five books of moses I mean, this man was thoroughbred, Jewish trained, at the top rabbi school of his day. I was thoroughly convinced I was right before this revelation came. This is what I was I hated Christians, and I loved my religion, and I plunged headlong to pursue it with all the zeal you can have. There's nothing quite as pitiful as religious zeal without knowledge. To be a zealot for something that is not true. To be a zealot for something that's in the name of, if I land this plane into the Twin Towers, I will go immediately to heaven. And so who cares who we kill? We've already been promised heaven. And so he's, this is a very religious man that hates everything that he now becomes. I think sometimes we forget what we were before we came to Christ. I don't think there's anyone here that was burning down churches or hunting Christians down to kill them. I don't imagine I have anyone that bad. But the one that God commissioned to come preach to the Gentile world was the same man that tried to destroy the church. Now he's going to describe what happened to him. Listen to what he says. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. What happened to him? What changed him? Verse 15. But God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. What was it? First, God was pleased to reveal himself to him. Um, No one can know God unless God reveals himself. God is unknowable unless he gives A revelation of himself. You cannot know God just because you want to know him. Now how has God revealed himself? He said the heavens shout out his glory. And he says nature itself manifests his glory. Psalms 19, Romans 1. He says his activities in history, miracles, providence, seasons, uh, rain, food, Uh, we see the manifested kindness of God to all men, regardless if they believe or not. And then God did something spectacular when you think about it. He gave us a book. He revealed himself in 66 books of the Bible and had the record of it written down. It could be just an oral tradition, religion. We could just have to gather around campfires and around uh, front rooms and hear it. But God gave us a written revelation of what he's like, what he's about. And we have this permanent record. It's a marvelous thing. He has revealed himself to us in words. 1 Corinthians 1, verse chapter 2. uh, That... God has revealed his thoughts in spiritual words. And so what cannot be known by the eye, what cannot be perceived by the ear or the heart, the things God has prepared for those that love him, it's not heaven. It's what he revealed to us in the word. He has revealed them to us in a inscripturated revelation. This is a revelation. None of this would I have been able to know had God not Revealed it, wrote it down, and preserved it. Did you know you hold the revelation of God in your hand? This is a revelation from God. We are the people of one book, and every cult has another book besides this one. We are the people of one book. It doesn't matter if you have a 2,000 volume library until you master the 66 book library. You know, when you're with preachers and scholars, what's the latest book? I want to say, can you outline Exodus for me? Do you take every New Testament book? Tell me how it, tell me whatever chapter's about. By memory, go. You say you know the Word of God, go. What's Ephesians 1 about? What's Philippians 3 about? What's Romans 9 about? I don't know. But I'm heavy into Aramaic. Well, I'm heavy into this. This is God's mind. Everything everybody says about God isn't true. But what God said about himself is true. This you can count on. You ought to be full of this revelation. This is God's mind. God said, I, I breathed it out. All scripture is God breathe, And that is he just... It's like wind. But the wind was caught by ink and put down on papyri, and we've now got it. Who would ever think we would get something Moses wrote back in 1400 BC? We can read it, and we would have never known it, but God revealed it through this book. The Word of God is a revelation. God the Son came to reveal God, and what God did for the Apostle Paul, he didn't do for you and I. He literally showed up in his resurrected body and stood in the pathway as he was going to Damascus, knocked him off his animal, uh, made the heavens light up brighter than the noonday sun, and Jesus Christ personally, physically showed up to confront this persecutor of his church. I mean, he stood in the path. The other men fell back. They just knew something's being said, but they heard no words. Paul did not know what happened to him. Boom, who is this? I want to reveal something to you, Paul. You're persecuting me, and I'm going to save you here on the spot. Matter of fact, I've set you apart from your mother's womb that I was going to save you and turn you into a preacher of the very thing you say you hate and that you oppose. Paul said he revealed himself because an apostle had to see the resurrected Christ. And Paul got to see a resurrected Christ. I didn't see a resurrected Christ because I'm not an apostle. I just believe the revelation that he is alive. I just believe the revelation of God's Word. But when you think about it, even God had to open your heart and open your eyes to even understand the preached revealed will of God. Did you know your heart is terribly blinded by Satan, according to 2 Corinthians? And God must do a work of removing the blinders. He calls it a veil that you may even see the gospel.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station would you be a part of that family that friendship we'd love to hear from you reach out to us again you can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864 and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of truth for today with pastor phil allen
1: Blessed be the name of the Lord.